Good morning. It, it is so great to be here. Uh, I was telling somebody this morning, Sundays have become one of my favorite days of the week, maybe my favorite day of the week. I just love being here. We're so glad that you're here with us um, this morning. And I'm excited to bring God's Word to you this morning. If you remember last week, we talked about the gospel. We talked about the good news of the Bible, what it means for us, what it means for someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. We talked about what it means for those of us in the church that are part of the family of God, what it means for us, the gospel, and how we want to keep it front and center because it's meaningful and important. This morning, we're going to talk about what the gospel, what the good news of the Bible means for the family of God, for the church. For those who follow Christ, we're the family of God. So what does the gospel mean for us? And it's so interesting this morning. There is somebody here this morning. I won't, I won't point him out directly, but there's somebody that's here this morning. I'm very excited about this because I grew up in a church watching this man sing in the choir, and I learned to worship by watching him sing. And um, I did not expect him to be here this morning, but when I think of the family of God, that's what I think of. I think of a group of people who point each other to Jesus who teach each other how to worship God, who teach each other about God, who talk to each other about God. And that was kind of unplanned, but that's kind of exciting to me personally this morning. It just makes me excited to remember this is what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. I was reminded of this great story this week about these two boys who started first grade together. They were brothers. Two brothers, they started first grade at the same time. If you're a teacher, you're thinking, that doesn't compute and that's what the teacher thought. How can two brothers start first grade at the same time? So she asked them, um, how is it that you're both in first grade? And the first boy said, well, my birthday is January 7th, 1984. And the second boy said, my birthday is April 4th, 1984. And the teacher said, that, that's impossible. And the boy said, no, no, one of us is adopted. And so the teacher said, oh, which one? And they said, uh, we don't know. We, we asked our dad, and he kissed us both and said, I forgot. <laughs> and I thought, that is such a sweet picture of family, that they're both, they're brothers. One is adopted and one isn't, but dad doesn't even remember anymore which one was adopted. And as Christians, it's important for us to remember that we are adopted into the family of God. It's important that we remember that. That's why Paul writes in Romans that he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. Abba Father, like dad or daddy. He's adopted us into his family, and now we call him dad. And God, who has a son already, looks at us and he sees Jesus. He looks at those who are part of his family and he can't tell us apart. How cool is that? And that's what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. I looked up family this week, as I'm prone to do, and I just realized that I'm not wearing my glasses, so my notes mean absolutely nothing to me. Um, I looked up, thank you to my lovely wife, um, I looked up the word family this week in the dictionary, as I'm prone to do with a lot of words, because I find definitions helpful for me, and the thing that I thought would be helpful to you first is just this little tidbit, that the word family um, is worth 14 points in Scrabble. Um, but if you're playing word, words with friends, it's worth 15 points. 
I have no idea why those are different. I have no idea why the dictionary feels it's important that you know those things. But the dictionary felt it was important, so I thought it was important for me to convey that to you this morning. So that's the first thing about family. The, the definition of family that I found really helpful was this. Any group of persons closely related by blood. And the dictionary means parents, cousins, brothers, sisters. But I think that definition applies to us in the church. Any group of people related by blood. We're related by the blood of Jesus. And if that sounds weird to you, what we mean is that the sacrifice of Christ is what brings us all into God's family. That's why how we are adopted into God's family as his children. And when I think of family, I think of people who are close to me and the people that I love. And I would describe the people in my family this way. I didn't choose the people in my family, but I choose to love them. I accept my family. I spend time with my family. I actually spend a lot of time with my family because I love them. I care about what happens to my family, and I care about and care for my family. The thing is, I love my family, and so all of those things are true. And the other thing is that in many ways, I represent my family, and they represent me. And what I mean by that is that the way I act and the way I behave says something about my family, and the way that my family members act and the way that my family members behave says something about my family. And as a follower of Jesus, those who are adopted into God's family are a part of our family. If we follow Jesus, then we're part of the family of God, and so those same things ought to be true of the family of God. I don't choose who gets to be a part of the family of God, but I can choose to love the people that are part of the family of God. I can choose to spend time with them. I can choose to accept them. I can care about them and I can care for them. I can love the members of the family of God. In many ways, I represent them and they represent me. And what I mean by that is the way that I act and the way that I behave says something about God and God's family. The way that my family members act and behave says something about God and God's family. And if we care about God and we care that he receive glory and he receive honor and be praised for what he's done, which is what we talked about last week with the gospel, the overwhelming truth of God's love for us drives us to tell people that that same thing is available to them. The truth of the gospel, God's love and acceptance is available to anyone, as John 3.16 said, whoever believes. And if I want that to be true, then what the members of God's family and what they're saying about God should matter to me as well. Because God's family makes a statement about who he is and what he's like. And before we open the word this morning, we're going to look at a number of different scriptures this morning, but I would just ask if you would pray with me before we open God's word Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this place. We pray that you would meet us here this morning and that as we open your word this morning, you would speak to us about what it looks like to be a member of your family. Pray that we would get a, a better understanding of that this morning, Lord, and that together we would be able to live that out. We thank you for your overwhelming love for us, and we pray that we would continually remind each other of that truth. In your name we pray, amen. 
Last week, we talked about the difference between religion and the gospel. We talked about how religion demands obedience to gain acceptance, but that the gospel fuels obedience or drives obedience because we are accepted. We are already accepted. And that we obey God and we obey the commands of Scripture out of love for Him, and that love is driven out of what He has done for us. And the goal is that we always, as followers of Jesus, we always keep the gospel front and center. We always keep the gospel in front of us so that we remember that our obedience doesn't make God love us more, our obedience doesn't make God accept us. That's not the truth. The truth is He already loves and and accepts us. And our obedience to him is the way that we honor him and we point people to him to say, this is available to you as well. We want to point people to God for what he's done. And part of accepting the gospel and understanding its significance is understanding that we are now accepted and adopted into God's family. 1 John 3 says it this way, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. And last week we said the gospel means two things specifically for us in response. The first is that we love God. We love God in response to the gospel. God says, I love you and accept you. And so we love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. That's, as Jesus says, the most important commandment is that we would do that. And the second thing is that we would love others. Loving others looks like a couple of different things for us. That that means we love the people here that are part of God's family. We love those who love Jesus, and we love those who don't yet know him. This morning, we're going to talk about the family of God. What does it look like for us to love each other? Those who love the Lord, who want to follow him, what does it look like for us to love God's family? Next week, we're going to talk about the mission of God. And if we could just boil that down, we'd say, what does it look like to love people that don't know him yet? So today, let's talk about God's family. If you have your Bible this morning, would you turn to Colossians chapter 3? If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we have some available in the aisles here. If you want to raise your hand, someone will get one to you. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd love for you to have that. That's a gift to you, so you're welcome to just take that. Um, take that home with you. If that's too much trouble, um, you can cheat, like copy off a neighbor. That's totally acceptable. We'll be in Colossians chapter 3. We understand that love as a follower of Jesus is fueled by the gospel. Love is our response to the truth of the gospel. And if you remember last week in 1 John 4, it said, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And what we said with that is we need to, that means we need to love each other. We need to love each other like God loves us. And if you remember the way we defined that was we just need to love each other like crazy. Because when we understand the gospel, we realize that that love is crazy. That is not a love that we comprehend or understand. It doesn't make sense. And so we need to love each other that way as well. So what does it look like for the church to love the church? What does it look like for us to love and care for each other? That's the question. This could be a very, very long sermon. It won't be, but it could be because it would be very hard to exhaust this topic in Scripture. So I've just come up with three things that I think we can point to. This is not exhaustive by far, 
But there are three things that I think we can look at, and they, these will all have something in common, and you'll, you'll recognize very quickly what that is. But here's the first thing. What does it look like? As a family, we accept each other, and we point to Jesus. So the first thing that is that as a family, we accept each other, and we point to Jesus. What does it mean to be accepted? Robert Frost says it this way, home is the place that when you go there, they have to take you in. Home is the place where acceptance is expected. Um, It's an expectation that they have to take you in. What does it look like to accept each other as a family? Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. You can just listen if you would prefer. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So he starts by saying, here are the things that you ought to put on as a follower of Christ. We would compare this. If you just back up, look a few verses back in verse 8, he says, but now you must put them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. He's given a whole list of things that you put off as a follower of Christ, and now he's saying, as a follower of Christ, you ought to put on these things. What does that mean for us? That means that as followers of Christ, there ought to be a family resemblance. There ought to be a commonality in how we look as followers of Jesus. And these are some of those things. Patience, compassion, humility. And then it says in verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. So he's starting to list what the family of God looks like. He says you should have these things in common, He says, you should bear with each other, which gives the implication that this is not easy to do, and that you should forgive each other, which assumes that we will hurt each other. That's an assumption. That's a given. We promised that to you last week if you were here. I promise we will disappoint you. I promise you will be hurt in some way. It's just how it works to be with people. And so this makes that assumption. When we we're teaching in a newly married um, and engaged class at the Whittier Hills campus. Chris and Elisa Grace, who attend our church, said something that was really compelling to me, to this group of young married couples. They said, when you, when you come to a conflict or something that you're having trouble resolving, here's, here's how you should um, express it to each other. Um, essentially, we might as well work this out, or it's going to be a really long 50 years together. And what's interesting to me about that phrase is it really has nothing to do with the conflict. It's really making a statement about the level of commitment. It's not talking about the conflict. It's saying that we are all in. We are committed to this. So leaving is not an option. So if we can't work this out, then we are going to be miserable for a long time. So we might as well figure it out. I love that. I feel like that's kind of what is being said here, only more strongly The point is you don't have an option. It says you must forgive. It's not a suggestion. You have to resolve. You have to forgive because you're part of the family of God. And do you see how this even points us to Jesus? Because it shows us who the model is for this. It says forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Verse 14, and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This, this word for rule means to referee. It's like to, to oversee. So essentially what it's saying is love each other and ultimately let Christ govern our heart attitudes toward each other. Let Christ rule over that in how we interact with one another. So as the family of God, we accept each other. That means we're patient, we hurt each other, we forgive. It means we put up with people who are frustrating and annoying because every family has that guy <clears throat> or one or more. And we point to Jesus. Jesus is not only the model of all of these things, but then the end of this, the verses that we're going to look at, 16 and 17, say this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we accept each other into God's family and we point each other to Jesus. The family of God reads God's word together. Do you see that here? The family of God teaches God's word to each other. The family of God worships together as we did this morning. Do you ever think it's weird that we sing in church? I haven't thought that's weird because I've been in church most of my life. But as we started talking about this La Habra campus of our church, I started to think, if I hadn't been in church my whole life, wouldn't it be weird to me that we walk into a room and sing together? I don't have any other experience in my life that's like that. Why do we do that? When we talk about the good news of the gospel, we're singing about something. That means it, it's worth singing about. There are very few things in my life that cause me to sing. And unless you're in a musical, there are very few things in your life that cause you to sing. But I love hearing my kids sing. They sing in the oddest moments, um, and I won't, I won't embarrass them any further than that, but I love being in the house and hearing my kids sing because it means their heart is happy. And so when we come together as the family of God, we sing because we're happy. We're with God's people and we're acknowledging God for who he is. We're giving him praise and glory and honor for that, for who he is. The truth is, if in the family of God we accept each other, we're not always very good at that. We're not good at accepting each other. We're not good at forgiving each other. But in the church, this has to be part of our family resemblance. We want this to be a safe place. We want this to be a place where you come as you are, where you don't have to clean up or pretend to be something that you're not. But if we want that to be true, then that has to be true. If we want people to feel that when they come in among us, then that has to be true of us. And that has to be true when that's hard. And that has to be true when it's messy. And that means that has to be true even when we are the ones who have to do the forgiving. And we think of that and we think that's crazy. And 1 John 4.11 says, yeah, love like Jesus. That means love like crazy. And what if the family of God was as accepting as loving, as forgiving as he is, then we would point to Jesus that would direct people to him. So the first thing is that as a family, we accept each other and we point people to Jesus. The second thing is as a family, we spend time together and we point to Jesus. And you're probably starting to see the commonality now between these, these points. If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, 
That's page 1007 if you're using the Bibles that we're providing for you. Hebrews chapter 10 says that our time together is meant to be God-saturated and purposeful. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10 would tell us that the giver, God, of the gospel promise, which is the hope that it's referring to here, can be trusted. The giver of the gospel can be trusted, God can be trusted, and so let's help each other live out our response to the gospel. Let's love God, let's love people as we're called to do. Let's inspire each other, let's spend time together, let's motivate each other to acts of love and to good works. Now this applies to both the family of God and the mission of God. Let's meet together, let's encourage each other, and as we meet and encourage and motivate each other, we encourage each other to be like Jesus. Jeff Vanderstelt, who is the uh, part of the Soma communities in the Pacific Northwest, he says that um, when he thinks of this, his goal is to try to eat a meal with someone from his church at least three times a week. That's a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, coffee. He wants to have a meal or share coffee with someone at least three times a week as part of just the spending time together of the family of God. That's crazy, and, and we're not proposing that as a model for us. But the truth is that if we want to be a family and we want to act like a family, that part of that is that we need to spend time together. That's how we love each other. That's how we encourage and motivate each other to be like Jesus and to love like Jesus. So number one, as a family, we accept each other and we point people to Jesus. Number two, as a family, we spend time together and we point people to Jesus. Number three is this. As a family, we meet needs and we point to Jesus. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, says this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or truth. John is saying we meet needs because Jesus met our need. He laid down his life for us, and so we lay down ours as well. And if we see a brother or a sister in need and we have the means to meet that need and we don't do that, how is that God's love in us? How are we demonstrating God's love to other people in the family of God if we don't do that, if we don't meet practical needs when we have the resource to do it? Essentially what John is saying is that talk is cheap. Don't talk about loving people. Do it. Don't talk about loving people. Love people. And in doing so, we point people to God who is the reason, he's the model for how we can love sacrificially. Jeff Vanderstelt also tells this story of a small group in his church. They got together, and as a small group, they made, they made a list. They got together and they put up two sheets of paper, and on one 
sheet of paper, they listed all their resources as a group. And on the other sheet of paper, they listed all of their needs as a group. And when they finished making the two lists, they noticed something. On their list of resources, almost all of them had listed money as a resource. Money was one of the things that they had in common. They had financial resource as a group. But when they looked at their list of needs as a group, one of them had listed significant debt as one of their needs, a need they had to overcome that. And so as a group, they looked at those two sheets of paper and they said, we have financial resource and someone in our midst has a financial need and that's a need that we can meet. And so as a small group, they decided together that they would meet that need. And that small group of people paid the debt of that young couple in their group. They just paid it off entirely. And some of us think of that and we look at that and we think, that's crazy. And that's, it's not crazy. That's, that's love. That's loving like Jesus. And as Jeff said, <clears throat> if they did it again, that would be crazy. But the first time they did it, that's just love. That's loving people like Jesus loves them. That's meeting needs when we have the ability and the resource to do so. Do you see how all of these things point us to Jesus? Do you see how this is all about him? Our family, our church family, must love each other like Jesus, because of Jesus, and while doing so, point to Jesus. That means we accept each other, we forgive each other, we love each other, and we point to Jesus. That means we spend time together, we meet together, we encourage each other, and we point to Jesus. That means we meet the needs of one another and we point to Jesus. It means the family of God, the church, acts like a family. John 13, verse 34 and 35 puts it this way. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The family resemblance the way that people know that we belong to God is love. I hope you hear this this morning and you think, yes, I, I want this. I want this kind of community. I want to be a part of this kind of family. But I know that you hear this this morning and you think, how are we going to do that? That's crazy. And what I would ask for you to do this morning is just entertain crazy for a moment just consider what would it look like to love the family of God like crazy? What would it look like to love the family of God like Jesus? What if everyone who came into this church family felt safe, felt cared for, felt that they, they needed no pretense, they didn't have to apologize for not having it all together, they didn't need to clean themselves up first to come to church, and why did they feel this way? Because of Jesus. What if we spent meaningful, God-saturated time in conversation with one another? What would it look like for us to make that commitment to one another and walk through this tough road together, all the while pointing to Jesus? What if we were a part of a church family that met practical needs for members of this family because of Jesus? We would really like to see that happen here. We would really like to be that type of family. And our hope is to see that happen in life groups. Now, some of you may not even know what that is. What is a life group? 
Life group is a small group of individuals and of families who want to surround themselves with others who want to live like Jesus, who want to love like Jesus. People who want to be in regular community with one another. And we want to see that happen in the flow of life as it would with a family. And I know what you're thinking because this is, you're thinking what I'm thinking. In fact, I had to have this conversation with Krista just yesterday as we talked about life groups and making time for yet another thing to put on our schedule. And I told her, how can I possibly stand in front of you today with any integrity and encourage you to be a part of a life group if I'm not even sure how I would fit that into my own schedule? And what that means for us is that if, if I really mean this and if we really believe this as a church that I need to change or move some priorities, I need to reprioritize my life to make room for God's family so that I can be with God's family, spend time with God's family, encourage each other to be a part of that family because we want to see life groups rest together and learn together, grow in their relationship with Christ together, to serve together. And we believe that life groups provide an opportunity for community, for family, for accountability, for the living out of the gospel in our day-to-day -day life. And I really believe that the difference between attending church and being the church can happen through life groups. That the difference between us just showing up here on Sunday mornings and the and actually living out the gospel in our community and with our families and with our neighbors, that we can see that change happen in us, in this church, through life groups. You have an opportunity this morning to sign up for a life group. You can put it on your connection card. You can go back to the information table and you can sign up for life groups. And if I, if I could encourage you to be a part of one thing in our church family, this would be it. Being here on Sunday is not enough. Loving like Jesus is really hard and regular meaningful connection with other believers is critical. So this morning I would just ask, would you entertain crazy for a moment? Maybe this week pray about it together as a family and consider what God might do between Sundays if we loved each other and loved God's family as we're called to do. I'm going to call the ushers now to pray for our, our offering, to take our offering, and I'm going to pray for you. I want to remind you what our offering is and what it isn't. Our offering is an opportunity for us, those of us who love the Lord, who love Jesus, to respond in worship by giving back to him from what he has given us. Our giving is a result of a relationship with Jesus it does not purchase us a relationship with Jesus, and we always want to be very clear about that. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are glad you're here. And if you would be willing to put a connection card in the offering and give us your information so that we can connect with you during the week, that's all we would ask as the offering basket goes by. If you would put your connection card in there for us, we would appreciate that. Let me pray for our offering this morning. Father God, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for loving us enough to send your son. We thank you for the good news of the Bible. We thank you for the gospel. And as a result of that, we want to love you and we want to love others the way that you've commanded us to do.
the way that you've asked us to do, the way that you have loved us. And so would you help us to do that this week? Would you help us, Lord, would you grow in us a passion to love the family of God? We pray this in your name. Amen.